Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 8, 28 through 34, called The King's Power Over Darkness. Can you imagine you get out of the boat, you've watched Jesus calm the sea, stretch your faith, you get out of the boat and you look up on the hillside and here come two really scary, freaky individuals. And they come running down the hill toward you. You're like, oh, great. Evangelism in the graveyard. Exactly what I signed up for, right? And uh, I think it was Spurgeon who called this area Satan's castle. These men just, they so dominated. This, some of you can remember back to your teenage years when you went to an abandoned house that your friends called haunted. Uh, Mom, I'm going to admit something else from the fault. <laughs> I have a lot of explaining to do. Anyway, there was this place when we were in high school called The Geek. And it was up in the Santa Ana Hills. And me and my friends would set stuff up so that people thought it was haunted. (laughs) And the Lord saved me. (laughs) When they had come out of the boat, immediately, Mark says, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. If you're the apostles, you have to be thinking, oh no, here we go again. He's touching lepers. He's, he's crossing all these boundaries. Is this why we're here? And the answer is yes. I spent gas in my car a couple days ago and there was uh, obviously a homeless man rummaging through the trash cans. As you know, that, that happens at times. And you know, I, I feel compassion and empathy, but I try to use wisdom on what to do and when to engage and when not to. And in this case, I didn't. And as the guy was rummaging through one of the trash cans, he went, "Ah!" and I think he touched a rotten banana. And that's the sound I make when I touch a rotten banana. "Ah!" (laughs) Anyway, sorry. He was a little freaky. And Sometimes I'll offer to buy somebody a meal if they're hungry. Obviously, you got to use great wisdom and discretion. I said this at first service, and a man came up. He's a brother in the Lord. He used to be on the streets homeless, and he said to me, Pastor Michael, he goes, I wasn't possessed, but I was certainly oppressed by dark powers. And he said, you know what meant the most to me when I was on the street? When people would come up and pray for me. He said, it was nice if people gave me something to eat and maybe even handed me a little bit of money. He said, but he said, when people prayed for me, this is his words, it broke me down. Something to remember. And so these men, uh, the other gospel writers say they're on the hills among the tombs, croaking at night, almost like when you hear coyotes howling at night. But they were humans. They were making the noises, screeching and howling. Gospel accounts taken together said they cut themselves with rocks to try to force the demons out of them. It was an ugly, terrible scene. And that's where Jesus goes. Leaves the crowds 
crosses the raging sea, faces off with the enemy. Why? Because he loves. Because this is his mission, to leave the glories of heaven and come down and save the one. These men had broken their chains, but they were in spiritual chains, no doubt. Satan had a foothold. Obviously, these were deep levels of possessions, and we're going to learn that there were perhaps thousands of demons, at least in the one man, because Jesus asked, what is your name? And the man's response, legion, for we are many. Think about it. A Roman legion had 6,000 foot soldiers and 120 horsemen and other technical personnel. That's over 6,100 individuals. If we take it literally, legion means thousands of spirits. If we take it just as a word to describe more than one, you can imagine, remember there's 2,000 pigs up on the hill. So the numbers have to be very significant. And Mark tells us that the man, one of the men that is Mark's focus, ran up to Jesus and bowed down before him and asked the question, what do we have to do with you? Why would a demon-possessed man run up to Jesus and engage with him? Some people, some scholars say, well, demons were deeply fascinated or drawn to him, even though they knew that he would cast them out. Does that make total sense? No. But could it be, I throw this out for your consideration, that in at least some of the lucid moments that this individual had, he ran up to Jesus because Jesus was the answer to his cry. Because Jesus was God's provision to save him. Because God had heard his cry. God in human flesh. And he ran up as if to say, please deliver me now. Help me. And deliverance had showed up on the seashore. We don't always understand what God is doing, but I will tell you this. God is always in the business of rescue. Always. And behold, 29, they cried out, saying, what do we have to do with you, son of God? They know who he is. The demons believe that God is one. James 2, I think it's verse 19, and they shudder. They have one up on a lot of people. They have correct theology, plus they're fearful of God, while others walk in pride and have no fear of the Lord. Can you hear it? Don't you care that we're perishing? Yes, I care. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so here's the man who becomes the focus. There's two of them, but I mentioned the focus on the one. What do they say? Have you come to torment us before the time? What does that mean? What's the time? I think the time is the ultimate second coming of Christ, the time of judgment. Did the demons know that there would be two comings? One for Jesus to die on the cross, live the perfect life, die and resurrect, and then come a second time as the judge? Do they think right now they have a sense of time? It's not time yet. But do they think, well, maybe we didn't have it right on our calendar. Maybe this is the time that we get thrown into judgment. Maybe, maybe we had it off. Please don't torment me. You know who they know he is? They know he's the son of God and they know he's the judge. If you haven't heard this before, you need to hear it. 
All judgment has been given to Jesus. When people tell you, well, I believe in God, but I'm not quite sure about Jesus or what to make of Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus is God the Son, and all judgment has been given him. He's the judge. And there's a judicial sense to their response. Have you come to judge us? They know he's the judge. This is further proof of his divine person. And so there was at a distance 30, from a her, uh, at a distance from them, a herd of many swine, that is pigs, feeding. And the demons began to entreat him, saying, if you're going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. And all God's people said, what? Why would they ask that? Well, it seems like demonic spirits want something to ha- inhabit. They don't want to be floating around, if you will, or be just in spirit form. So they like to inhabit. I heard a, a guy teaching on this who said that he had missionary friends who said that they ran into animals that they believed to be demon-possessed on the mission field. And some of you are like, that explains my dog fully now. I shouldn't have named him Cujo. <laughs> that's, never mind, that's a movie from way back when. If you're going to cast us out, put us into the pigs. Maybe they knew that it would cause a reaction in the pigs and therefore Jesus would be booted out of the region. I don't know. But he said to them, go or be gone. All all it takes is a word. Be still, hush the storm. Be gone, the demons scurry. And they came out and went into the swine. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the waters. Get lost, get out of here. And off they go into the swine. My niece has pigs and for entertainment because they live in Tennessee. Sorry if you're watching. It's just a joke. If you pick up a pig, you know what it'll do? It'll start to squeal. And it's a weird noise. And I'm not going to try to duplicate it here. But it is a scary, weird noise. Can you imagine 2,000 pigs all being, you know, filled up somehow with demonic spirits and the squealing that would go on? And this is one way we know that the spirits had come out of the men because of the reaction of the swine. Maybe you've heard someone tell a story and they said something like this. Maybe you have a friend who's very charismatic and they said, yeah, we're, we're there and we cast out seven spirits or demons out of this person. And you might say, how do you know? Because the dog was acting funny over there. No, no. But, but seriously, how, how do you know? We, we have a, a case that I personally dealt with. I've shared with you before. And here's how I knew. The person cried out to God and prayed the sinner's prayer. And all of a sudden, a calm came over them. And they were free. And it was clearly evident by their behavior. But I will tell you that there are stories of missionaries who say when they have been involved in some stuff like this, and believe me, nobody goes looking for the stuff like this once you've dealt with it, is it could take hours for a person to be delivered. The apostles later will say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this one? And he said, this kind only comes out by prayer. And another uh, manuscript version says prayer and fasting. It, It can be a battle, but we're dealing with Jesus here, right? Be gone and off they go into the pigs. 2,000 of them 
Off the steep hill, Luke says, they went right into the abyss. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Believe it or not, if you have doubts and questions about your Christian faith, you're not alone. The recent deconstruction movement phenomenon has a number of Christians rethinking what parts of the Bible they identify with. But is the movement simply about having doubts? If deconstruction is just about asking questions, I'm just asking questions, I'm, I'm going through some doubts, then declaring war on it would be wrong and actually unbiblical. But if deconstruction is about leading people away from historic Christianity, then declaring war on it is completely appropriate and biblical. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Download the free Walk in Truth app available in your app store today. You can also listen to the first part of this conversation when you listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And it was clearly evident by their behavior. But I will tell you that there are stories of missionaries who say when they have been involved in some stuff like this, and believe me, nobody goes looking for the stuff like this once you've dealt with it, is it could take hours for a person to be delivered. The apostles later will say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this one? And he said, this kind only comes out by prayer. And another uh, manuscript version says prayer and fasting. It, it can be a battle, but we're dealing with Jesus here, right? Be gone and off they go into the pigs. 2,000 of them off the steep hill. Luke says they went right into the abyss, right into the dark sea of judgment, if you will. Some scholars believe to be judged eternally by God. Others believe they, once the swine died, they were off doing whatever they do. But Luke says they perished in the abyss. Perhaps they are awaiting final judgment. I don't know. The response, last part. The herdsmen ran away, now those who were the owners of the pigs, and went to the city and reported everything, including the incident of the demoniacs. So they told the story. And behold, the whole city, almost like we saw at Peter's door, it seemed like the whole city was there for healing. The whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, if you closed your Bible right now, what would you guess would be the answer? And when they saw him, they said, please come over to my house because I have a crazy uncle and I think he might be in bad shape. Please come over here and, and share the truth with my household. Please come over here and tell me more about who you are so I can learn about who the Son of God is, Messiah. No, they asked him to leave. They said, get out of here. We don't want you here. What in the world? But... I was thinking this week and thinking, you know, Israel did that. They said, we'll prefer the gods of the pagan nations around us. Get out of here. And they forgot about their maker. And brothers and sisters, America has said it to Jesus. 
Now, not all of America. But in a country where the Bible was how we taught kids to read, now a kid comes to school with the Bible and he gets called into the principal's office and told he can't have it there. He can't have a Christian t-shirt on. Can't have his Bible on his desk. But if you say, I think I might be the other gender, they'll rush you off to the principal's office for a different reason, to accommodate your request. And I'm not trying to broad brush or be mean here, but this is where we have ended up as a nation. We've essentially said to Jesus, at least some of us, get out of here. We don't want you here. We don't want you delivering people around here. And get this, someone said to me at the end of first service, Pastor Michael, is it possible that the swine all perish in the Sea of Galilee as a judgment from God, almost like the book of Exodus when he judged the gods of Egypt? Remember, each of the judgments was against a pagan deity. Is it possible that it was Jewish pig owners who had compromised for the God of mammon for money and Jesus judged them by causing their full herd to go into the sea and then judged their fake God on top of it. Wow. The Lord's always working on many levels. And into the uh, Sea of Galilee they go. And I want you to turn to Mark 5 and we're done. Mark gives us a touching scene at the end of this account. I'd like you to see as we close. Mark, I told you, gives more detail, and here's what he says, Mark 5.15, just the next book to your right. Mark 5.15, they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. And those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to entreat or plead him to depart, plead with him to depart out of their region. Mark 5, 18. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him, begging him that he might accompany him. I want to be your disciple. Lord, I never want to leave your side. You can imagine his motivation. Wherever you go, I'm going. And Jesus did not let him. But he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Could you imagine this man going around the Decapolis? I was the guy who used to be naked, chained, screeching and howling, extremely violent, up in the tombs of Gadara, and now I am free. Can you imagine a better missionary? And this week, I want to challenge you with something that I challenge myself. Would you go out this week and would you tell at least one person the great things that the Lord has done for you? Could you do that? Sometimes we hesitate because we say, oh, I don't know if I could, should I use the four spiritual laws? Should I do this or that? Should I use the law to get to the gospel? How about you just tell somebody this week the great things that the Lord has done for you. Tell them your transformation story. You each have one. Tell them. So I'm sitting at my uh, 
desk this week and sometimes the Lord will give me a song. And I wrote a song, but I can't play a song because I don't play a guitar. I'm a drummer and not a great one. (laughs) It's been a long time since I played. But I'll send songs to Shane. And I'll say, hey, I got this great song idea based upon this deck. And I was just sending it to Shane to say, hey, I think this could be a cool song in the future. Well, what did Shane do? He put together a song for right now. And he cleaned it up. But this is what I wrote in my notes. This is what the Lord has done for me. Did you hear my desperate plea? Did you hear my cry? Save me. Oh, Lord, do you sleep? Do you see my deepest need? Would you cross the raging sea to show me your mercy? You'd be born in obscurity. Leave heaven's glory to rescue me because you heard my desperate plea. This is what the Lord has done for me. Would you face the darkest fiend? Cleanse my life and make me clean. Face the shame and suffering to save me from perishing. Your cross says the answer is yes. You said it is finished and I am blessed. The empty tomb bears witness. This is what the Lord has done for me. You did did leave heaven's glory. You were born in obscurity. You did cross the raging sea. And now in Christ, I am free. Father, thank you for this amazing text. Thank you for hearing our cry when some of us can go back and think about desperate cries we made, maybe at a low, low moment, maybe in, a, uh, in the middle of a lonely night, maybe finally seeing our sin for what it is and what it had done to us. And we're here because you came to us and saved us because you are gracious, loving, full of compassion. I pray for the saints that are here today, Lord, that they would find encouragement in these words, that they would know the lengths that you went to to save them. They'd never forget what the Lord has done for them. They would tell their story. There are some who have been in seasons of doubt. The enemies come like a flood and they've doubted maybe even their own walk or their own salvation or maybe even doubted you, Lord. I pray that you'd heal those broken places and remind them of who you are and what you've done for them. And Father, for that person who doesn't know you yet, maybe this has been the cry of their heart. Oh God, save me. I I don't know if I'm even savable, but would you rescue me? Do you hear my cry? Do you hear my prayer right now if that's you? Jesus saves. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Turn, repent of your sin, walk away from the darkness and walk to the light, Christ. Tell him you believe who he is. Tell him that you believe he died on the cross for you and rose from the dead. Ask him to save you right now. He is faithful to save. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to The King's Power Over Darkness, Part 3, on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew, Chapter 8, Verses 28-34. through 34. 
If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We would also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teachings today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. We're walking through the incredible gospel of Matthew, the gospel of the kingdom. I pray that you're being blessed by it. Hey, if you listen to us on podcasts, would you share this with a friend? If you're listening over radio, tell a friend about what you're hearing. Would you keep us in prayer? We would love to do more in 2024, like to be on more radio stations. And we have some amazing partners. Would you partner with us at Walk in Truth? You know, you can go to the website anytime, 24-7, walkintruth.com. Click on that Donate tab. Please pray for us. And we just want to be found faithful, my friends, my brothers and sisters. Some of you have been listening for a long time. I'm grateful for you. Hey, keep praying, and let's see what the Lord will do in 2024. Let's be about His business. Amen and amen. We'll see you tomorrow. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 13, called The Royal Physician. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.